It's Tennessee Titans talk, and Big 69 is about to come in. We're going to live draft this with a friend of the show, Michael Burgett. James Jordan Rodriguez is about to make the pick. Who is it going to be, Michael? Give your pick. Hello? Uh, I have no idea. I just know that uh, James Rody Robbins, uh, Rodriguez is not going to give us a soliloquy like uh, Ed Marinara did. Oh, I'm so oh, glad you were playing because that was epic. They should have done the Oscar music for him, Michael. It was perfect. Well, they did the whole get the person out there to to drag him off. You know, that was cool. Oh, yeah, they uh, uh, read the card. He's doing his soliloquy. Landon, quickly, what's the pick going to be? Predict it. I'm ahead of you, so. <laughs> All right, so Nicholas Petit Ferrer, we've heard a lot about him. We knew we were going to pick a guard. I'm going to guess they're going to think this guy can kick in. Five, no, he's six. a tackle. He's a tackle, I think. He's a tackle. So that raises a lot of questions about um, uh, Radens. Um, I mean, yeah, are we well, picking a, a swing tackle this early? Landon, give us your feedback. Well, I just don't know because it depends on what Radens is going to be. Because if Radens is playing right tackle, this pick is really odd unless we're playing for the future and we're moving on from Lawan after next year. We are. And if if Raidens is playing left guard, then this pick makes a ton of sense. Well, I've I've told I've told them a lot, Michael, that I think the plan is for Raidens to, if he works out, to play left tackle eventually. Um, is this a pick? Is this a right tackle pick of the future? I probably think that Petit Ferrer is the the right tackle, and then you're probably addressing. Like Landon said, left guard with Radens. Uh, if we're looking just this year, which I think J. Rob and Rabel are looking this year right now with that offensive line, the way they've got it structured, I like the pick. I mean, he's Ohio State guy, so Braves is going to know him pretty well. They brought yeah. him in uh, for that top thirty uh, workouts, so they they know this guy pretty well. So I I'm not surprised this is the guy that they went with. Well, I think it's a good point there. Um, Lana, I like the pick from adding – I always like when they add a tackle and having a really good swing tackle with a lot of uh, – with a high ceiling is good. But we had other needs, especially on the offensive line. Uh, does that surprise you that we didn't – or is it just because where the board is that we didn't make a play for a guard there? It surprises me. But then again, like I said, maybe Raddins is the guard and we've just been overthinking this. But – I mean, he was Petit Fryer was the best tackle on the board because it was it was probably like Abe Lucas, Fayil, or whatever. And Petit Fryer is better than those guys. So, I mean, I, I like the value if you're expecting him to compete day one. But either there's two things: either Raddins isn't what we thought, which yay another early round bust. B, this is a swing tackle because Raddins is right tackle. This guy's gonna be the backup which we just drafted a backup lineman at 69 overall when we're trying to contend right now. Or C slash D, Raddins is guard. Petit Fryer is going to have his shot at right tackle. And they're keeping Raddins on the left side long-term for after this year. So Nathan had to run away. This is Christina, guys. Hi. All I want to know is why NFL Network says he has popcorn feet. What the heck did that mean? It just means like he's got light and quick feet, kind of like how popcorn like will pop up and down. Okay, I guess that makes sense. I don't like popcorn, but hey, if that works for you guys. Michael, what do you think about the Jacksonville pick right after us? Oh, dang, I missed that. 
No, they took Muma, right? Yes. Michael, did you watch that pick? No. I saw the pick. I was just thinking about talking on the pod, so I didn't think think about it. Well, I generally like y'all's, uh, you know, disinterest in, in the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I will hey, say I was hey, telling hey, Tina I'll, earlier, I'll, I will say that- I don't I don't love their draft, and it's not just because I don't like Jacksonville. I think that draft has been overreactionary, and I think they've reached, and I love it. Hey, I, I will say this. I love Tony Khan when he's pro wrestling and managing AEW. When it comes to the Jackson I Jaguars, I'm not as great of a fan. But I will say I knew you would say that. But I will say that their draft hasn't been bad. It's been solid. I wouldn't say it's been bad. It's just been solid. It, it's not great and it's not No, bad. but that's the thing is when you're that bad, you want to be solid. Why why are they going high floor? They gotta go high ceiling. Like well, yeah. Yeah, and maybe I just hate them, but they they trade up where they don't need to, blah, blah, blah. Um, as far as tonight goes, before we get into pick 90, I mean, what have y'all thought about, you know, uh, the first 30 picks or so? I mean, uh, it's been a fun night. I think they've done – the NFL's done a good job of making this sort of like the first round. There's a lot of name players because there's so many big – Players and teams in college football now, it sort of propels this. Like, uh, what do you think of the night overall, Landon? I've, I've enjoyed it overall. I mean, I, I always like on day two when they bring in a lot of the water plane nominees and retired players. And for Vegas, they're doing like random celebrities and stuff, which I guess is cool. I mean, that one Vikings guy was. Just kind of rambling for a while. That was awesome. That was amazing. I think he. No, I, I didn't, think he'd I didn't be enjoying like the free like booze in the green room because he was all over the place. And well, Tony Gonzalez could kill us all now. Still. Yeah, uh, Michael. How has Tony Gonzalez looked more like a football player than he did ten years ago? Uh, well, he's never changed. He, he pretty much just looks like a movie star because he kind of. I mean, he came from California. That's where he went to college. So he's just kind of kept that persona with him. Uh, as he's you know left football, that's it, not it's not anything new for him. Yeah, how is he not beating up Russians in uh, <laughs> in films? Because this guy is like he looks incredible. Well, it's because Amazon's going to pay him a lot of money for Thursday nights. You know, um, that's true, Michael. Uh, you and I have a soft spot for the Orange. Landon, you're uh, you're a university student. Bellis Jones. It's hard for me to be impartial because I want all these guys to be good. Bell Jones is a great guy who hung in through some some tough times in Tennessee. He was really fun to watch, especially on special teams last year. How do you how do you see his role? What's his potential in Chicago, Michael? I think that he can be a breakout kind of a Devin Hester type. I mean, he <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think he he has the intangibles of the kick return and punt return. Which you know up there they they love that uh, if you have that type of intangibles there. Plus he's a solid receiver, and I think that yeah. uh, the way that they're rebuilding that roster up there uh, to to complement Justin Fields, this is a good pick for them. I'm 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 not I'm not mad at it as they say. I'm not mad. Yeah, at 71, you pick guys that have kind of a high floor and have athletic ability, and have a, a real fit on your team. I like that he went to a team that, that can really utilize this because teams do sort of over time seem to 
uh, fit of certain things. Chicago's had a lot of good special teams players. I like the fit. Uh, for you, Landon, um, I am surprised that we passed on Malik Willis because I feel like we could have kind of downplayed the pressure on Tannehill. That's the big thing about picking one of those guys is like just the way the media is now. It would just be a distraction. And honestly, I wonder if we didn't pass on him more because we didn't want the distraction because we we're, we feel like we're Super Bowl contenders more than acquiring the talent. All that being said, obviously all of these teams have picked on him close have passed on him close to three times. I've I watched his tape. Yes, he's raw, but he the ball jumps off of his hand and he's got athleticism and really good awareness. So obviously people pass on him. What are these weaknesses? What are the reasons? Underscore us for them why he has lasted almost three full rounds. For one, he doesn't play in an NFL offense, so he's going to have to learn pretty much from the ground up. Right. NFL passing schemes. Two, partially because of the offensive line, partially because of the scheme, partially because he played at such a low level of competition. There's the fact that he's very much a one-read-and-go kind of player, which works at the lower level because it's either my first read is there or I scramble and we'll see what happens. Third, I would say, is his pocket presence. Now, you defended him when I criticized Yeah, I defended his pocket presence as the fact that he didn't have a pocket. Yeah, but, but it's also like when guys come off the edge, he doesn't have that sixth sense of there's a guy about to hit. There's a guy coming from my blind side. And he gets away playing in whatever conference Liberty plays in because he's playing against future <laughs> janitors. But in the <laughs> NFL, you can't get away with that. And then the, the probably the biggest thing, which goes back to his lack of NFL passing reps, is he la- he does lack touch. I mean, he's got a big arm. Down the field, you like to touch. But over the middle, intermediate stuff, he doesn't have touch. It's, it's really scary. It's either – it's high or it's fast or it's off target. And that is, that's unacceptable for any quarterback because you're going to get killed. You can't just pass outside the numbers. Well, it's hard to project time. to know how he would do, it, even if he had to do it under distress. It's hard to know if he could do it or not. He's a scary pick, but you, you, at this point, you just take him on tools, right? Like, yeah, I think this all point, like the with guys, the third. all the absolutely like guys who never made anything of themselves a quarterback, that they just took a flyer on at 72. We're at the point where I think you just—it's a scratch-off ticket, right, Tina? It, at this point, at this point, it's worth trying. I mean, at the very least, it's not like it's not like you're going to be blowing crazy salary cap numbers on him. Try and give him a world. Tannehill's not going to be there forever. Right? Exactly. He's you got think time. In the three, it's like, well, he could be a backup. It's not Jordan Love. Exactly. <laughs> Which—that's a really good way. There is a fine line between Jordan Love. And Kyle Luetta, right? Like at the end of the third. No matter what, we need Jordan Love to wear this suit. What is this suit? I, I think it would know. look better if it fitted. Oh, the shorts. I actually don't hate it. I know, Landon, you're a big fan of this guy. Shaquem oh, yeah, Griffin, Griffin is Griffin, making yeah. the pick for the Seahawks. Right? I mean, he's he's not ashamed. Go for it, kid. All right. Um, Michael, I know you, uh, from your days in Seattle, you have a soft spot for – uh, the uh, Seahawks, they pick uh, local six, guy, six, Abraham six, Lucas, 6'6", six, six, 315, we wish. 3'8", you forgot the 3'8". Oh, the 3'8". 
Yeah, a so, Wazoo guy. So not not as thrilled uh, as my boys uh, from University of Washington. But I mean, it's an offensive lineman. They need to shore up that line. Uh, keep you know keep building up uh, the the front for you know P. Carroll because. He loves his running game and he loves protecting. And so this is going to be a guy that goes along with that. But, and this is something that I said earlier uh, that Brock Hewitt tweeted talking about X and stuff. It was a really stay. He said, for the first time in decades, the NFL decision makers are not reaching for QBs. Brady, Wilson, and Watson divorcing from their teams has ushered in a new era was it franchise QBs can and will leave and that has these organizations to not reach for QBs. So I think that that's why you're not seeing a lot of these teams that are just jumping up picking quarterbacks. You know, we only saw Kenny Pickett in the first round and you see Malik Willis now you see Matt Corral, these guys that are still hanging around in the third round, it's because evaluating who they have and what they are for, what they're expecting. And so they're not going to reach for guys. And if, if a guy falls to where they think uh, is the right value for them, then, then that's where they're going to pick. They're not going to just jump up and pick a guy. Michael, that is such a unique point that I think is so salient right now. Michael, um, Landon, uh, Michael's point is something you won't hear every day. It's it. This game is changing. Up until I think Kirk Cousins weirdly like started this transformation, and I think we'll look back fifty years from now and see where he makes this transition where. You there is whereas before, no good quarterbacks ever made it to free agency. Slowly, if they have any sense at all, and their representation and their agents have any sense at all, they'll wait it out and they will pick their spots to help their career. We've seen the greatest quarterback to ever live, unequivocally in my position, have the guts to pick his spot at the end of his career. Tom Brady, Mike. Uh, Landon, what do you think about Michael's terrific point? I cannot wait to hear what you think, whether you agree with him or not. Is the quarterback selection going to be devalued as we're seeing now because there is actually one hope in heck? Hey, there's going to be more guys. There's going to be more guys available. There's going to be more guys available. Because some guys are going to be willing to reach free agency in the first time in NFL history. Yeah, did you just see the Falcons pick, speaking of quarterbacks? Speaking of Desmond Ritter, but answer the question because I think Michael makes such a great point. Desmond Ritter just went to Atlanta, but I think we're at the point where he's more developmental. The expectation maybe, maybe not starter. I get it. But I just love what Michael said about there's more hope than ever that there's going to be more people available post-draft. Almost throughout everybody's lifetime that's alive is, if you're going to have a good quarterback, you're going to have to, what, draft him. Is that changing? I would agree with Michael that it is because 
if you look at it in the long term and you look at the average bus rate, the average bus rate for Corvacs, how long it takes to develop them, just how hard it is to get that guy, teams are probably doing that calculation. They're going, hey, trading for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, getting an established star, or even superstar. Odds are, if we try to draft and develop a guy, yeah, we're saving money, but going off the numbers, we'd pretty much use the same number of picks, and there's no guarantee that we do hit. And if, like, you're the Browns or the Broncos who have pretty decent rosters already, or in the Browns' case, a Prince Super Bowl contending roster, you can't necessarily afford to take your time and hope you strike gold and draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Or you just, like we saw with the Rams, you trade your first-round picks, you get an established guy that you can win a Super Bowl with. Because either the quarterback is good, and so the quarterback is good, you're going to be picking in the 20s. Would you rather just have a bunch of picks in the 20s or a franchise quarterback? That's a pretty easy decision to make. And the cap keeps exploding, and there's so many ways to work it. And teams are getting better at finding these late-value guys to where, yeah, paying a quarterback – can drag down team building a lot. Like we saw with the Chiefs and the Ravens, they built really talented teams because their quarterbacks were making $5 million a year and winning MVPs. But pretty much, I mean, I've been thinking about this just in context of the draft. Like you look at all the Super Bowl winners since the turn of the century, it's either you have an historically great defense, you're a team of destiny that gets hot at the right time. And most importantly, your quarterback gets right, gets hot at the right time. Or you have one of the best five when you, or you have one of the five best quarterbacks in the game. Uh, that's a great point, Land. Uh, Michael, to kind of circle around to what you said, um, you know, like we all like the NBA as well. Uh, 25 years ago, even the NBA superstars, they stayed with one team. Or they they didn't have the leverage. I mean, they had the leverage. They didn't realize it. I think NFL quarterbacks are going to take a cue from NBA superstars over the last five years. Every one of those guys kind of do what's best for them. They all kind of are okay with – like Michael Jordan was with one team, right? Bill Russell was one team. LeBron wasn't. You know, like Kobe, although he wasn't, he shopped around. The I think moving forward, I think that was your – am I wrong? Is that your point, Michael? Is these guys are going to have an awakening, as it were, where they're going to realize, like, how they can totally improve a team thanks to, like, accidentally, like, a, three neck injuries, Peyton Manning and then Brady and all this is like, we're going to see where these teams plan differently. They take less risk in the draft because they think, if we have a good team – if we build it, they will come, as it were. Uh, was that kind of your point there? And is that why we're seeing literally one guy go in the first 70 picks? Well, uh, it, I could I attribute it to Brock Heward. That was his tweet. Uh, that was his thought. Uh, but I agree with him. Uh, really, I think it's more not so much the fact of the and, – and they're taking ownership of you know, their superstardom, so to speak. I think it's more on the teams finally understanding and realizing the importance of not wasting picks uh, and really being quarterbacks. Uh, because, you know, for the longest time, you see teams that would jump up into the first round, trade up, 
lose uh, some of their draft capital just so that they could get a Johnny Manziel or a Tim Tebow or, you know, Christian Ponder or, you know, the cute, you know, <laughs> rattle off any you know, bust of a quarterback that, that they've drafted. And they're understanding that, you know, we can evaluate these guys more than likely those guys are, you know, third uh, quarterbacks. And as we've seen guys like Russell Wilson, who came out of the third round, guys like Tom Brady, who came out of the sixth round, uh, these quarterbacks are there. And if, you know, we evaluate them properly, we can get them at the, and at the same time draft, you know, first round talent, second round talent, where they're supposed to be at, at other positions so that you're really, building a good foundation for a team at the right, you know, salary cap and everything too. Cause well, as you, know, you, if you hit on a guy, you want to hit on, you know, your cap is at a level where you're not having to, you know, pay out all these huge contracts at the same time. Make sure that you kind of spread them all out. And if you're hitting on the draft, the way that you're supposed to, you know, and not reaching and, and taking, uh, at positions where you didn't, you don't need to do that. Uh, you're going to then have better drafts uh, and build on that. And that's one thing that the Titans have kind of been bit by these last couple of years is not drafting well, especially, you know, the whole thing with Isaiah Wilson and, you know, miss, and then having the trade uh, for Julio and then losing those picks and Farley being hurt last year, you know, those things kind of stack up. So when you yeah. have, those type of build uh, foundations of your draft and know that and evaluating properly, it, it helps out. I think it's a really good point, Michael, that uh, the best teams kind of figure out what's happening as it's happening. And a lot of teams are kind of slow to that movement. I think what you're getting at, if I'm understanding it, is like um, – Teams should take less risk moving forward because player movement is such a real thing, especially at premium positions. It used to be if you hit on the left tackle or a defensive end or a great nose tackle or a quarterback, they wouldn't really leave teams. Um, so you had to take a big-time risk to get the, those guys in the first place. And so now, like, maybe you go for a safer player because those best players – um, they they're good. they are going to move around, so you just need to have flexibility and a good team to to attract those players. Yeah, you really it comes down to you got to know who you're going to pay and know if you know who you're going to pay because there's going to be those two or three or four guys that uh, are your dynamic leaders, your your rock solid foundations of your franchise. You know you're going to pay those guys. You know they'll command the big bucks, and you want to keep those guys there. You know you have to identify those guys. You have to draft well, and you have to you know make sure you keep those guys. And then for the rest of them, really, it's uh, almost an evaluation every you know four or five years, depending on when you draft them, and understanding. Okay, I may not be able to to pay this guy. Uh, but I know that that position, there's a lot of depth in the draft moving forward. Like we're seeing at wide receiver these last couple of years, there's tremendous depth at that position. So you know that you don't have to pay 
top market value uh if if that guy that you have in your you know on your roster is not one of the four or five core players uh that you know chai's found uh, so i think that that plays a lot into what these general managers are thinking right now michael um that's a great point landon Michael's describing kind of a shift in philosophy. Uh, honestly, do you think teams are thinking this way? Do you agree with what Michael's saying? I, I think I do. Or right, let me I mean, let me summarize it. Michael's saying that things are going to shift as far as the risk you need to take early in the draft because there's player movement at the premium positions to the point where people are going to just get to free agency, even if it means playing on the franchise tag to the point where you need to be a good team that would attract a player like that and have that cap flexibility where maybe ironically, you'd want to take less risk in the draft. So you can attract the riskiest players that do do like realize their potential. So maybe there's a shift in the risk so you can be a better team to attract these guys because for the first time in Michael and I are 40 early in our early forties for the first time in, in the last five years when we've seen good, healthy quarterbacks make it to free agency by choice and defensive tackles and defensive men. And we've just seen trades of wide receivers. Michael thinks that the best teams are going to have like this philosophical shift of being ready for those players instead of like being the ones to take the risk and draft them. I think that's fair. And I, that's why we've seen I, – I think when it comes to the draft, the guys that used to be taken because they had sky-high ceilings but dangerously low floors, I think you can't 100% attribute that change in philosophy of going away from guys like Manziel and uh, Willis and whatnot. And it's like, hey, this guy is either going to be a star or he's going to be out of the league in three years. I don't think we can entirely say that's simply because of philosophy. I think it's just a matter of teams got smarter with the draft and they started figuring it out. And they realized, hey, this, sure, a small chance of getting a star quarterback is good, but looking at the odds, I'm, we're essentially burning a first-round pick here, so we're not going to take a super risky quarterback in the first round. We'll burn a third-round pick because that's okay, but we won't burn a first-rounder. And I – but – I also do think that the whole player movement does. Colts just took Ryan in, which I really like because I think he sucks. <laughs> but just going back to Michael's point, I do think there is value in, I would say, I think playing it safe is a good way to put it, where you take a guy you know isn't a bust. Like McCrary, who we drafted earlier today, like he's not going to bust. I'm, I have – there's a lot of questions about his feeling because of his lack of long speed and his but really short arms. Floor? Like, but he's not. But he's going to be like an NFL starter. Is what's his floor? Nickel. Is for his floor is like, he belongs on an NFL field? Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, like he's he can be one of your top three cornerbacks without being like, man, our cornerbacks suck. Like I like Ryman at 76, 77. And at 76, Travis Jones went from UConn to the Baltimore Ravens, which, Michael, they just seem to always, whatever. I, I really liked him. I would have picked him probably 40. 
Um, yeah, the Ravens like have the got same it. teams. Whatever. Travis Jones was the UConn guy. UConn literally was one of the worst teams in Division One. I thought Travis Jones was a really good athlete at that size, Michael. I don't know what you know about him, but it just seems like Baltimore always finds those guys. But they also don't find those guys that are offensive weapons, which is kind of what they need. They never can do that. They find defensive guys. You're right. Teams are like people. They seem to have their blind spots, right? (laughs) <laughs> and our blind spot for 20 years has been receiver, except for A.J. Brown, who we just traded. We'll see about our, our guy, Birch, from Arkansas. Uh, I know um, I know Tina has a question about – she's anxious about in 12 picks. We'll be back on with 90. Well, that's my question. 12 picks, you're on with 90. Two picks before that is my team, the Pats. Thanks. Who do you guys think my team should take? And in your perfect world – who do you guys take at 90? If you could, if you were picking next, who would you take? If I'm picking at 90, let's see. We've got tackle, receiver, cornerback. I would go – I don't have a big board in front of me, but I would either go with Khalil Shakir, get another receiver from Boise State, or take Willis. Great save. Well, Michael, what about you? Um, I think a lot of Titans fans want to see another receiver tonight. Um, well, what do you think about Pick 90? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's still, you know, I mentioned with depth at receiver, uh, you know, in this draft, I think that's a possibility. You know, Willis, if he's kind of still hanging around there, I think that's good. Really, aside from Trey McBride being Trey uh, – not been really had a run yet so i would look and see kind of evaluate you know who's left on the board there because and see you know value wise if, if that's the pick and and i might go tight end because you know the titans you know picked up austin hooper yeah off free agency but i kind of would love to get a you know a, a young guy there too as well uh especially if there's you know, that number two tight end is not that far of a drop-off from Trey McBride. I think it's a good point, Landon. We, around this time of the draft five years ago, uh, picked Johnny Smith as a very raw and fine guy, and we made him, I know it, only for about a year and a half for us. He was a really impactful player. Do you do you think there's a tight end left? Because it's not a great class that, that has that kind of potential. No, not really. Jelani Woods would have been that other guy, but the Colts took him. I mean, this tight end class is either guys who are just kind of bled, like decent all-around tight ends, but they don't really have that juice. They're like decent tight end twos. Or they're like the Greg Dulcich type, which is really the Anthony Ferkser type, which is big slot receivers. I which is Which is fine, but for our offense, you want that tight end. Like That's why Johnny Smith is so valuable, because – he wasn't a high-volume receiver, but he was great in the red zone, and he was a great blocker, a which meant block. we could always have him on the field. Exactly. So I've heard you guys – I mean, even I know this quarterback class is not very deep. You're saying the wide receiver class isn't very deep. Are you saying this just isn't the best draft in a while? Are there any big names you think are going to be massive hits coming out of this draft 10, 15 years down the road? I'm going to answer this first. I think picks – Honestly, 30 through 90, I think we'll have a lot of good average 
or better NFL players. But I think I agree with Daniel Jeremiah from uh, NFL Network that I think the second and third, especially maybe second, third, and fourth round is the value of the draft. I think that's why John Robinson and his evaluations really kind of put his money where his mouth is and, and kind of he has five picks between two between the second, third, and fourth round. You, I'm so interested what y'all answer, but to answer Christine's question is there. it's not a top-heavy draft, but I do think there are a lot of good NFL players, but I think it's NFL starters, NFL specialty players. It's a strength. I don't think we're going to have a ton of – I don't know if we'll have any Hall of Famers or a ton of like perennial pro bowlers, but I think there are a lot of good players. But I wouldn't want to be ticket, picking in the top. 11 or 12, but I'd want to be picking between 25 and 90. What do you think? We'll start with you, Michael. Uh, I think that th- I think this will be an underrated draft. I feel like that there's a lot of talent. It's, it's not the sexy picks. You know, it's not your Trevor Lawrence kind of a draft. It's not your, uh, you know, back in the day, Cam Newton. You, you know, you didn't have your consensus number one pick. And I think that's kind of why – uh, the buzz going into this year's draft wasn't as high as it had been uh, in previous years. But I think that people, and I think uh, at least I think some all pros will come out of this draft. I think a lot of it really, and it, you know, it could be said every year, it goes down to where people are drafted, you know, uh, what schemes, what systems. You know, that really plays into a lot of uh, the success of how players are. You know, some some guys get drafted into the right place and they flourish. And then some guys, they just flame out. Uh, and, and I think that really that's what this draft, more than any draft in the last couple of years, is going to be prevalent on is guys getting put in the right position, the right scheme, right situation. Uh, and I think that that really is – uh, going to be the conducive factor of this is, you know, is, is there sexy picks right now? Not really, but give it about, I think you'll see some really solid, really, you know, contributing players and a couple of all pros out of it. That's such a good point. I think it's such a mature point where guys watch it for a long time because uh, Landon Michael is saying essentially, Let's wait and see. And yes, it's they're not sexy picks, but there's a lot of good players here. We can't predict kind of development, can't predict ceiling because a lot of in years like this, sadly, it's going to come down to where they go, what the fit is, and how they can be developed. So talent is talent. If you're going to be a Hall of Famer or like perennial polar or superstar, you're just going to be that in any place. In a year like this year, you're really kind of sadly, and I wish these, for this reason, I wish guys could pick where they go because this is going to come down to, do you go to the right place? Yeah, I think the reason this draft class doesn't look that good, I've mentioned this before, is that coming off of last year, which was really hyped up and then lived up to the hype and even surpassed it at everything except quarterback, It's just really hard because last year, I mean, you look at the top 15, other than the quarterbacks, which we can mostly say was the fault of the teams being absolute garbage around them. Yeah. I I mean, I think every single guy in that top 15 
panned out. I mean, yeah, J.C. Horn got hurt, but he was awesome till he got hurt. I mean, everyone was as good as expected, and then Slater was second-team All-Pro. Parsons was almost defensive play of the year. Jamar Chase somehow exceeded everyone's expectations, no matter how big of a yeah. chase fan you are. And 2021 was unreal. I mean, there's if there, there's going to be like 12 guys that make multiple Pro Bowls. They're going to be like four Hall of Famers. I mean, it was a loaded class. I yeah, really this, think this class doesn't have, but I think this class is going to have more above average NFL starters, but they're not going to have as many Pro Bowlers and Hall of Famers. I mean, but this this team can win you championships. Like that's why I think. Who knows? You can only know this in like five years from now. But I'm just saying, it's a good year to have five picks in rounds two to five, which we have. Yeah, because we're at the point right now where we don't necessarily need star power, although we do really need it at receiver. We, we just need, we to need guys that can carry their weight. Yeah, above average solid team. Yeah, yeah, and we had that, and we in Michael. That's that's a good point, right? Like the great, the really great teams need depth, right, for injuries and for uh you know down the line like to play in really well in december and january and i think that's what we're going for and i think strategically mike john robinson did that right that's why we traded 26 to go back that's why we tried aj brown so we could have in a draft like this where the value is undoubtedly between 25 and 90 we have five picks with we have four four or five picks within that range because we just need guys because we can't keep everybody because we developed so many guys. We can't keep everybody and pay everybody $15 million. We need to kind of regenerate. We need to find guys in this range, right? really solid guys and uh, and especially in the later rounds those you know diamonds in the rough and you know that's how you construct a team you know it it really is about making sure you've got everybody on pace on par uh, at, uh, you know you know the whole joke about salary cap not being real it's real uh, when for you know the especially like the bottom you know half of your roster uh, you know the top half you know you're you're gonna you're gonna pay those guys but that bottom half you know you, you need to be able to you know find your way to to have those backups to fight you know because you're gonna deal with injuries and everything like that so if you're drafting well that's gonna go a long ways to making sure that you have a solid top to bottom roster no oh, great point so, to uh, Tina's original point, we're <laughs> picking nine picks. It gets closer and closer. Uh, let's ignore the fact that nine other teams are going to pick and probably destroy our dreams. What's your dream pick right now? We'll start with you, Landon. Willis, just for the upside he offers, but if we're not going quarterback. Then... I can't believe he's still here. And even though we drafted, he could be an afterthought. I think it's even better because the right team could put the messages like, "We picked him in the, we picked him in the third round. He's an afterthought. Get off our back." Yeah, Willis or Khalil Shakir, who's my top-rated receiver left. 
I would like Parham yeah, Give us guard, the background but... of Shakir. Not everybody knows about Shakir, so give us why he's your top-rated guy. He doesn't necessarily bring the deep threat we need, but I think Burks is so raw, I think that's the role he'll have. I think Burks will kind of serve that rookie A.J. Brown mold of low usage, really explosive high yards per catch and all that stuff because rookie A.J. Brown was really more of a deep threat than a complete receiver. But Shakir is mainly a slot guy, which he might run into some issues with Burks also being that, but he's he's great with the ball in his hands after the catch, which we really like. He's a tough, competitive run blocker. He ran 4-4-3, which I don't quite see on him. He's more like a 4-5 guy. He's only like six foot 190-ish, but he has an insane catch radius. He makes all these spectacular one-handed catches. And he's he's just really solid. And I watched his film. I feel like, I mean, he, worst case, he feels like Amon Ross St. Brown, but with a bit more juice. And obviously, <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown looked awesome last year down the stretch. But yeah. he fell to the fourth round for a reason. I mean, Shakir, I think, might not be a better route runner, but he's better with the ball in his hands. He's more explosive, and he's bigger. Michael, you guys, both you and Landon, have purposely ignored Tina. who She's a good friend of mine, and we go way back from college. Now, she likes the Titans, but she loves her hometown New England Patriots. She asked you guys point blank, who should we pick at 85? You both ignored her. Well, I put you on the spot. I know you are an NFL guy all around, so I know you know what the best fit for them would be. What's the best fit for the Patriots 85? And then answer the same question uh, that Landon gave perfectly. Uh, what What's our dream at 90? Wait, let me answer her, let okay, me answer her question you. first. I appreciate All right. it. Give me, give me a second. I'm pulling up the PFF big board. I'm scrolling down to the 150 range. <laughs> I got to start there. I say keep going, keep going. Because we tend, as we learned from the first round, we, we tend to stretch on our picks. Well, I will okay, say- so add like two rounds, so that's like sixty. So yeah, one fifty is to start. Uh, he, you will take Thomas with, Booker, with defensive lineman out of Stanford because he's really smart. He seems like a total Bill Belichick guy. He already sounds like a coach and breaking down tape. So you'll take about- Thomas Booker, defensive lineman from Stanford, because. Bill Belichick is just going to see another football nerd and take him. And good. Uh, Coach Belichick loves himself a football nerd. All right. Second thoughts. What's what's your pick for, for my Pats? Michael, my friend. Well, I was sad. Uh, the, reason why, the reason why I hadn't answered it yet is because I had to pull it up on ESPN to look up you know, what would the needs were and, you know, who was available. We don't care about needs. We just care about who coach likes. Well, I will say this. ESPN had listed offensive guard and wide receiver as needs, and the Pats have drafted an offensive guard from Chattanooga, which was in the first round, and then drafted a wide receiver with their second pick. Um, But we all want it to work because we all love our Chattanooga guys. But, yeah, yeah, for real. list any other needs so it really i guess goes to you know best available player at that point uh the kobe dean's right there is you know i don't know 
to last as long. They've always everybody, you know, <laughs> everybody's thinking, you know, he was a first round pick. Uh, if he keeps dropping to where the Pats are, Belichick like that. Um, oh, oh. The, what I like about the off-ball linebackers and the Patriots is he'll have him 10 or 15 times to rush the passer, which they could be Dean at Georgia, which we didn't effectively do with Rashawn Evans, which they do at Alabama. I feel like um, there is a redemptive quality there because Dante Howard, Dante Hightower is the example of the guy that they use a versatile guy perfectly, right? So, if if Nicobe Dean goes to the Patriots more than anybody else, I'd be like, okay, that's that's a team that could utilize him perfectly. Am I wrong about that, Michael? No, I think that that would be right on. And you know, as as we Speaking know, speaking of, I love it though. <laughs> the the the. the no, we're laughing at this bright white suit for this guy. Oh, uh, I'm at. Uh, no, this is interesting. Yeah, it wasn't. Not, <laughs> he lost Cyber and yeah. it's just. Uh, uh, Chris, not a fan. No, I think it could I, be a I, little I've whatever. Heard his story. His story is amazing. I've heard multiple it. podcasts, but the, the, the white suit. Is... It could be a little, maybe more yeah. eggshell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, never. There goes Nicobe Dean. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said that. Well, Philly's another team that knows how to work their linebackers. Am I wrong, Landon? Well, I mean, they've made it work without drafting one high in a bajillion years. And he fell this far because apparently he has a bad shoulder or bicep strain or something, and he d- isn't getting surgery for it. I think he fell this far because he's a tweener and tweeners fall. Well, well I've seen it's mainly the medical of – He's got the shoulder thing, and he isn't getting surgery, and he's small. Like, I've joked about it when all the mocks were saying we're going to take Nakobe Dean. Like, we have a Nakobe Dean. His name is David Ball. We both said there's no way in heck he's going to take him. We shouldn't. So, not to interrupt you, but that at this point, Landon, if you pick a guy 83 and he he doesn't work, no one remembers that. So, this is a time to take a guy right there because he does have a high ceiling. Look at him. Look at what an athlete he is. Yeah, and by the way, this this Amazon next gen stat stuff is so garbage. I I know it's I'm pretty sure it's a literal black box where they just throw out random numbers just to shill for Amazon because it's a sponsor. Like, oh, his production score was eighty four. Like, how are you? What does that even mean? You're just making up stuff. It just it does seem totally. Yeah. Oh, just a side tangent. I didn't see this because I think it was on the ABC or ESPN broadcast. But when Kyle Hamilton was drafted, they showed a graphic of everywhere he lined up, like double, like safety, single high, slot, linebacker, blah, blah, blah. Except they broke it down to left and right. So it was like snaps at left slot corner, snaps at right slot corner, (laughs) snaps at left safety, snaps at right safety, snaps at left linebacker, snaps at right linebacker. It's like, you're just you're just bullshitting at this point. You're just but you know you know you put you say he's lined up at twelve positions. That's all, you're you're full that's of all shit. for for BetMGM and the sports books. How much money are they making off of every single one of those individual advanced stats? That's a great point. I wonder if it's not also for the casual fan because it sounds fancy. Well, I mean, I've never Probably seen like is. their methodology of how they of how, how they rank it. So, some of the numbers are so weird because, like, Tina works in professional sports, and she says, Is uh, you know, all the professional sports, like the actual professional sports of us, they try to find that data and they try to seek out that data. 
so they they sort of find out early on like whether that's kind of legit or not they, that, there's that, a they, lot of posers i guess there are lots of posers and there's lots of things you're, you're right landon it can get too nitty-gritty and too looking at every single direction the the laces are pointed when the ball is snapped but those little details like that are what allows someone like me who works in, in sports communications to tell a ton of different stories and they come up with all sorts of of different ways to to look at the game can they get too nitty-gritty heck yeah um but I, well i think the main thing oh we just traded up yeah, absolutely we straight up to 86 so we're getting close so we're now we're gonna Patriots be about- and then the titans <laughs> what now? it's scripted it's what's traded up do we, Nathan, we just trade up to 86 what did we give y'all the moment one of y'all know, y'all give us. Uh, we must be we a few us. seconds behind you guys. The uh, Raiders. We, I'm on Info Network. I'm on the, Info Network. The the uh, the Raiders pick is 86. The Titans pick 160, 169. Pick is in. So Lord, we gave up our six rounder. Y'all see? For like a late fifth. is in. Okay. So the why did we get Donny Osmond? Donny Osmond's awesome, but it is weird. Is he from New England? I figured he'd be what more of a Tony Osmond. One sixty-nine is our roll. later fifth rounder. <laughs> a little, sorry. A little bit of rock and roll. Jeez. By the way, real quick, since I didn't mention it earlier, the Titans picks that I uh, look at wide receiver that that Calvin Austin from Memphis. Yeah, I think he's too small. No, I, but this not it. Not after eighty-five though. As, as a slot and receiver. And we do. And Landon, you've said we need a second receiver. Calvin Austin after 85 is a no-brainer. Right, Landon? Yeah. I mean, that's very just – he is really small, and it feels like we've never really had success with those guys. Right, no, so- no. We've had nice success with those guys in the first two rounds. But Calvin Austin after this is – I can't believe he hasn't win because watch his tape. I mean, well, we right, traded up right, ahead Michael, of – Michael, give us the defense for Austin after 85. I think because you're not looking at, you know, having to say he's, he's going to be your slot receiver. He's going to be your, you know, gadget guy. He's going to be kind of what you wanted out, uh, wanted uh, that third receiver to be. I think that he could fit that. Guy that I would look at too is like a guy like Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. Because we have a second point, good spot for that. All right, before we get to pick 86 and you guys freak out on me, Pats have just taken Marcus Jones, who apparently is a very good special teamer, which, heck, I mean, that's got Bill Belichick written all over it. But tell me about Marcus Jones and why I like him. Seems early for a special teamer. Does he have higher potential than that? He can be a slide guy. His problem is that he's just really short. It's like he was good at Houston. He's just I think he's like five nine, five eight. Well, yeah, he's sports. he's five eight, which is that's the main issue we dropped. But great return man. He's good in coverage. It's just he's small, and that at corner can be an issue. Michael, Gates. 
Well, it sounds like he's going to be right up our alley, at least on the uh, the special teams versatile side, if we can get him out there with Slater. So I'll let you guys build up for the pick is in 86. So before we move on from that, the Patriots, yeah, they've taken their chances and they've won on some chances. We all know about Logan Mankins and all that, but every pick they've made has been a bit of a stretch. If, if they, if they just fall through, like let's say the tight ends they took two years ago, none of them came to fruition. Will this finally spell without Tom Brady? Will this kind of spell like kind of the, the beginning of the end for Bill Belichick as the general manager? We'll start with you, Landon. I think he is safe for as long as he wants to be around because just the equity he's built up and the fact that as soon as Belichick loses power, I mean, that's the end of the dynasty. And then, I mean, I think like as long as Belichick is quarterback, you've got that grace period since you were only the greatest dynasty in NFL history. And he was one of the two main reasons for it. And with how, with, how rough the Brady exit was. I feel like they're just going to let Belichick pretty much do his own thing. I mean, yeah, last year they got destroyed in the playoffs and they were exposed as frauds down the stretch, but they're not necessarily a bad team. They're just, they were just still stuck in the past with their past teams, which were kind of carried and sheltered from just some greater issues because Tom Brady's amazing. They had Gronk and a couple of receivers just to stabilize things. But I think, I mean, unless this draft class is like an all-time bad one, which I don't think it will. I mean, Cole Strange is going to be a solid, I think was going to be a solid guard regardless. Thornton, I don't have high hopes for. Marcus Jones, I mean, if he's a good return man, and we know the Patriots are good at coaching special teams, someone's going to go, oh, they drafted a Pro Bowl returner in the third round. That was a terrible pick. All right, so the pick is in. We've got <laughs> an attraction walking up. And I already know. Um, we'll see. Don't say because we're going to wait. Donna Puente, Chief Administrative Officer, and she says the Titans selection. And I'm going to ask you, Landon, what we traded up for picks for. Hopefully nothing big. You'll give us that. And then Michael will give us. Yes, we did it. Malik Willis. I think that's so smart because we picked him earlier. There's be a lot of pressure. I think we can frame that down. Mark Malik Willis is in Vegas showing his reaction. It looks like that's Hugh Freeze with him. We'll ask you, Landon, as one of the founders of this podcast, what's your initial reaction to Malik Willis at 86? Holy shit, how did he fall to 86? And how is he going to wear two-tone blue? <laughs> He's going to wear it well, baby. Yeah, I mean, as someone who was probably like a pretty big hater based on what I've texted you guys, I mean, in the first round, yeah, but I mean, at 30 with our fourth pick, in a situation where he isn't going to pick, yeah, they showed this time fan freaking out on camera. Yeah, baby, freak out. Oh, they just gave the comp. You're going to love it, Nathan. <laughs> But, I mean, with Willis, Short I mean, there, let's just say. Short yeah, I mean, that's McNair. much, but I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, as <laughs> someone who hated on, he has rare upside. He and, does have upside. I mean, it might, and I have a lot of issues, but we're in a situation where the guy is a he, baller. He isn't going to play year one at all. 
and he's well, gonna have a full year to sit and develop. Two years. And now I do think it's gonna be a little awkward of a transition from Tannehill to Willis, just because I do think Willis is the kind of guy where you do it's have to build point, around him. You've got two threes and you got two fours. Why you the give heck up? not? Yeah, I mean, because it. I mean, I was talking about this yesterday. Watch his yeah. pass right here. I mean, if he, he hits. flies off of his hand. Yeah, I mean, Michael, for you, and don't, well, don't miss words. I mean, honestly, your reaction, Michael. It's a smart pick. It's, it, I think we can finally say goodbye. Yeah. Tire him. <laughs> pasture. We can you know, good job, good good. effort, you know, at least tried, but, you know, because now, please. Yeah, get it. A website, at the very least. Forget the whole thing. Because he's like 5'11", and he's gutsy, but this guy has that more. He's like Logan Woodside, yeah, on steroids. Yeah, yeah, well, he seems like a great kid. And so, uh, for you, Tina, it's like you've just seen his tape and you've seen all that. Um, at that point, I mean, at 86, why not? What Tom Brady, that's why not. I mean, you go for it, <laughs> you never know, you never know. And I mean, Tannehill's not going to be there forever. Looks like Willis has a versatile kid who's definitely got the arm can definitely run around heck maybe you put him in for some wildcat see what he can do and yeah and try him give him the opportunity if you pick him at 35 you got to constantly hear the question yeah wildcat is enough at 86 it's enough do either one of you know what we gave up to go from 90 to 86 169 which was our later fifth rounder and what you do 100 times out of 100 to ensure you get you give up a fifth rounder when you have two fourths and another fifth. Uh, do you agree, Michael? Much, and you're jumping. So, is the question now, Landon, is more so than the value of the pick or who we could have gotten instead? Because this gets, we're getting in the weeds when you go to late, late third. Is the question more the distraction of the constant baloney questions that Tannehill will get? Um, have we gotten to the point where uh, the talent's worth it? Absolutely. I mean, Tannehill already had those questions. I mean, I had those questions that the night he lost us the playoff game. I mean, there, there's been that question this whole time, and there's going to be those questions every single game, every bad throw, every interception, every game he lost until we either won a Super Bowl or he was gone because we've gone to the point now where we're, we can't settle for being a consistent playoff team. Tannehill was part of the reason we went from sneaking into the playoffs to a consistent contender, but he – and now maybe – the team around him this year is enough to – he can win with that. But at the end of the day, I mean, Tannehill likely maxed out with us and people were tired of it because end of the day, I mean, unless you've already won a ring or you've got a young franchise quarterback, which Tannehill isn't young, 
either you win or people are going to start calling for your head. And in the two wins we did have, our defense played lights out, and Derrick Henry played like the greatest playoff running back of all time. And that hasn't happened since then. And it's not a coincidence that without Derrick Henry playing at the peak of his powers, we haven't won a playoff game since then. And our offense has sputtered every single time. Am I being naive, Michael, that we're in the sweet spot after, let's say, pick 80, that Ryan Tannehill, to Lance's point, isn't going to he's not going to feel that constant pressure because there's a weird fine line where it's like, nah, we didn't pick him 35. We picked him 76. Like, am I being naive about that? Well, unless unless there's somebody that's like, they, they have to, put in for their job sake. And you're right. I have because we pick him where we picked him. If he plays lights out, Lewis never sees the field. Yeah, but I also example of what I think the Titans are thinking and or hope. One came on went to and that was the end and then the set Alec Patrick Mahomes what I think the Titans are hoping is either A falls out to be the starter like a Russell Wilson or they're hoping afterwards the hill salary not going to be I do think, Landon, how they play it, sadly, it shouldn't be, is really, really important. Like how Vrabel and Robinson play it. Uh, the narrative there is going to be super, super important. I wish it wasn't, but it is, right? Landon? I think he's off uh, wondering what's gotten into Kyle Brandt. I think that's a oh, question sorry. I'm just... asked all the time. Well, and now he's with Donny Osmond, and I, I just don't get it. <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry, can you repeat that? I was. I, I just think the big that. thing is like, honestly, after the pick's been made, I think the really thing is going to be, sadly, the packaging and the marketing and the narrative from our front office, from J. Rob, from Brable, and on down. It's like. If we don't make this a big deal, it won't be. If there's questions, I think our media, local media, will bug them to death. Distraction, we're not the kind of team that can handle that. I think uh, the best thing that would happen to Willis is it's like, hey, we got him, and he fell so far. 
because the look on Vrabel and Robinson and those other guys' face was like, we didn't think him at 69, but if he's there at 75, we're going to trade up because, yeah. duh, like, why not? I, so that was I, the I their face is like, obviously. Cat that got the spilled milk. So it's like, if, if Willis is this, like, because remember how, like, Rodgers went 26 and, like, no one ever asked about him because the narrative was like, obviously, far as the guy. And then he was like a ghost. The best narrative is if our we get strong leadership from office and Willis is a ghost for two years, right, Landon? One or two years. Yeah, I think it's different with Willis because he he is such a raw raw prospect. No one is seriously calling for him to start. With other quarterbacks that are more pro ready, like when the Browns took Baker Mayfield and they had Tyrod Taylor. That was just a complete disaster because you knew Baker was ready to start day one. He didn't. And there's that pressure of when are you going to start the guy that's ready? Willis was always going to be a project no matter where he went. Now, some people thought maybe he should play, but in all honesty, no one realistically expected Malik Willis to play as a rookie because he's so raw. I mean, he played at a small school. He played a gimmicky offense. He has a lot to work on. And so I think Combined with the fact that we got him so late, there's no pressure. Like when the Vikings took Kelamon last year, no one's like, ooh, when's Kelamon going to start? Is Kelamon going to start since Kirk Cousins is about to be an expiring contract? No. We have Tannehill on contract longer than Tannehill. We got Willis later. Willis is definitely a bigger name as a prospect. But, I mean, people are probably going to be excited for Willis to sit because, like we mentioned with Mahomes, these super talented physically gifted athletes that need to refine certain aspects of their game. When they sit, we've seen the same with Lamar Jackson. When they sit for most of their rookie season or all their rookie season, their offense is built around them year two. They explode and they're awesome. And the NFL wants that. The NFL would rather have Malik Willis not play a year. Ryan Tannehill pilots a good offense for us. The next year or two years of Willis develops, which, Obviously, I'm biased because I'm a Titans fan, and I want to see us get a young franchise quarterback for once. I mean, yeah, Willis the is a guy that can absolutely that We are giving him a chance, right, Michael? As opposed to like, if he went to the Panthers, then there's no way he would not start like after like week six. Yeah, I, I think that they would much rather him be with an offense that is at least successful as opposed to, you know, what we see in Carolina where, you know, they have, what, four quarterbacks, but they really have no quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great way to what put it. What the heck is going on? So, in our original pick, we picked a guy who I would love to see, but I'm not sure exactly what's going on with – I think the I think the NFL is getting into a range that they don't really need to get to with some little, like, dumb, cheesy shenanigans here. Am I oh, wrong yes. about that? The cow brain eating the chicken wing thing? Or yeah. buffalo wing? Well, I don't get that. that. I, mean, so I guess, was he making the buffalo pick? The NFL would never need to do that. I like Carl as a, as a like, good, like, average starter. But oh, yeah, I, 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 like I, I do appreciate the Raiders. To remind me again, Len, did you tell me earlier, like, what did we give up to move up four spots? For Willis? We yeah. traded 169, which we got – no, I think 169 was our original fifth rounder and it was our later fifth, fifth rounder. Round? Yeah. You've already showed it to me once. Yeah. 
So, well, Michael, that's that's not a stretch. That's kind of a value for value, right? Right. You're not you're not having to break the bank to move up a couple of spots. Not like you saw earlier in the you're having to like just to move up four or five spots. Give up, Michael? Do you, Michael? Do you agree with me that it's more optics at this point is important? Like, do you agree with me that it is super important that we play this right way? And do you think that our team, our leadership, is in a position to kind of downplay this Willis stuff so we don't constantly have to hear about it for the next two years? You know what? I honestly, I don't think Vrabel cares. I don't uh, about yeah. optics. <laughs> Like, I uh, and J Rob at this point are like, we're gonna do what we're gonna do. You may like it or you may not like it, but we are we have established a culture and we've established an environment, and that I don't think that they really necessarily care, you know, what the optics are of you know, us here. Or of having Jackson him earlier. I think that they saw where the value was, and that's why they did it here. Not so much about it's perceived in the media or it's perceived. Well, I hope that. I hope that's oh. the case. Because I think other teams have to – I think they have to kind of play on that. But I, I hope one of those we're one of those teams that don't. I think that's the case. I think if you see how they have, especially this draft, and how they have went about it. What in the fuck? And they're just, we are going to, we're going to do. Yeah. Out. They're going to do it. So, Lana, we just heard you curse. <laughs> what, what are you reacting to? There's a massive fireworks thing going on. In Vegas? Well, it's Vegas. What do you expect? No, I mean, literally right outside my dorm. Oh, in Knoxville. Yeah, it's like by the sports fields or something. So, Landon is in the city of Knoxville. Tennessee. (laughs) So, we can hear you mumbling. You know, the graphics up now, I like Carl, but if you look at the graphic, the last 10 picks, if you look at ceiling, I like our pick, and I'm loving our draft. Am I wrong about that, Lynn? It feels um, – so, Burks was a money play of A.J. Brown wanted out. We're saving a ton of money. We're getting this guy who seems like a hard worker, a good kid, has rare physical tools, fits our offensive philosophy. McCrary – is good depth, especially with Farley's injury history. I've said he probably maxed out as like an okay starter, which is fine because you always need more corners. And there is the potential that his speed concerns are a bit overblown. McCree outperforms expectations. Petite Fryer is developmental offensive lineman. I think looking at and just reevaluating. The tape I watched him, I don't think he'll be a year one starter. I think he'll be that swing tackle and be a developmental guy. And then obviously Willis is going to sit a year. So I think this draft class may not produce a ton year one because Burks is locked in as a starter. Yeah. McCrary is going to be that third, fourth guy. 
Right. Otherwise, I mean, depending on who we draft in day three, we're just getting developmental guys, which is good because we're in a position where we can contend we, right now without because necessarily of, because of that we're a contender. We need depth more than anything. Else. We already have stars. What we need is guys that can come in based on injury, based on the end of a game. What we really need is depth. So honestly, the way Michael this draft class plays, this might play into what we need is guys that can come in and play early. Yeah, I think really you're not you don't have any guys that have huge question marks. You don't really have uh, guys that have injury issues and you don't really have character issue guys. And if you have a draft where you have solid contributors, no major question marks on there, I think that you can say that that's a good draft uh, it, as far as an initial analysis uh, uh, coming out of the draft. You know, obviously you have to wait two or three years to really evaluate no. it. Uh, just as an immediate analysis of it, this is a solid draft. And really, I think J Rob and Rabel need that right now, given, you know, the way the season ended last year. So, Lennon, we're looking at pick 92. Uh, Packers just picked tackle Sean Ryan from uh, UCLA. San Francisco's about to pick. We're going to pick next, what, 121? Yes, 121. And let me check the other fourth round pick we have. 143? Why do they have Dr. Disrespect announcing him? Who is that? Well, who are any of these people? He, he, oh, they just showed He's like some... He's a Twitch guy. Yeah, he's like a video Honestly, game. Honestly, I think they're trying to attract people your age to watch this because people mine, Michael, and Christina's age were already watching. That's why I think. Yeah, yeah they did take someone named Tyrion. I can get behind that. No, our picks are... Our fourth rounders are 131 and 143. Yeah. It's so weird, but let's look at the tape on Tyrion Davis Price here. He was obviously all the LSU guys were sort of like, Woo! His parents are Game of Thrones fans. They are. Tyrion's from Game of Thrones. Has <laughs> it been around that long that they were named after that? I, I, I guess not. But so Michael sent me uh, a text today that said. What was the stat you gave me today, Michael? It was kind of mind-blowing. Uh, so Trayvon Barks, the first-round pick for the Tennessee Titans, uh, was born in March of 2000. So that makes him the first drafted player for the Tennessee Titans born after the Music City Miracle. He was the first Titans draft pick born after the Music City Miracle. <laughs> I think that's as good as any as a way to wrap up this podcast. On that note, I'm only wrapping it up because we don't have another pick tonight. Is that right, Lan? No, unless we make a trade, which I would doubt. I would doubt too because I think Ooh, the Panthers the just bar. traded up. I think they're going to take Sam Howell. We'll, we'll wrap oh, it up there because uh, where Michael and I are from, they would say the haze in the barn. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. This has been so fun. We're talking to three of my best friends in the world for a long time. 
Uh, and I know this is what you guys want, just off-the-cuff content and kind of a depth of understanding. Uh, we miss the big fella. I know he's traveling back from Disney World. Um, but, guys, thank you for being with us, and thanks for the uh, impact. I had to personally show um, a friend have to – you'd be amazed how many people are not, like, using listening to podcasts. And they're listening, and they think that uh, Clay Travis – and no offense, Michael, I know you like Clay Travis and the other guys. They think that's good radio. Uh, please connect somebody that doesn't know how to work podcasts to our podcast, another great podcast. And uh, share that out. Um, otherwise, guys, thank you for being with us. Tighten up. All right. Tynes, you better drop Willis's number so I can cop that jersey. All right, give it to me, Michael. Tighten up. Tighten up. Give it to me, Tom Brady. Where's Donnie Osmond? Tighten up. Tighten up. <laughs>